truly one of the greatest moments of my life. I blacked out during that. I don't remember hearing the final whistle. And it was only when I saw that video, I saw that moment of extreme catharsis. There was a weight that was lifted, not just off of us, but off of the entire organization. To me, this is a, this is a turnaround project. This could have gone so wrong. If I could find a club, couldn't you theoretically take them from whatever lower league there was and get them up to the Premier League? And each person that I, t I asked that question to would laugh at me. One person that didn't laugh was Ryan. And Ryan said, I think we could, I think we could do that. That said, we also don't know anything about football. So it becomes quite stressful. So much so that I got, I wound up with a sty in my eye. If Gareth Bale was watching this, what message would you have for him? If you could just come back for one last year of glory, do the right thing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Uh, you know, TV star, uh, founder, and now, uh, football club owner, among many, many other things. The one, the only, Rob McElhinney. Rob, welcome back. Hi, it's good to be back. Yeah, the format's changed a bit. Give us your professional take on the setup. Last time you came on, we were audio only. We are now on video. Give us your, you know, give us your professional evaluation of the setup. I think it looks nice. It looks better than mine. I realized I just have like some power cords and uh, this is my... This is my office, but it also it, it doubles as a guest house. So we have we have a, a full kitchen that I don't think I've ever used. So you're seeing you're seeing the remnants back there. So I like yours better. It seems much more professional. Well, there is a WWE belt. <laughs> I don't know why he has it, but it's there. <laughs> so there's just like random artifacts that that we don't really. It's an Easter egg. It's sure. like it's okay. like a MacGuffin. You know, it'll all will be revealed at the season finale. Are you in? Are you into the WWE? Huge. It's one of the biggest passions of my life. Uh, like maybe over, maybe even over technology. I think we've been to five WrestleManias, something like that. Plot yeah. twist. What a major plot twist in our relationship. I had no, I, I've now known you for a few years and I would have never guessed that to be in your repertoire. Oh yes. Uh, I, I am very, very deeply in, uh, I have, I've gotten to meet a lot of the people, uh, uh, the amazing performers, uh, you know, the, the McMahon family. It's, it, I, I've learned a lot professionally from the WWE and I've stolen ideas from pro wrestling in general in work. So, uh, the idea of I... having a well-defined character, a package, I haven't gotten the entrance music or body slamming some people in the meeting, but we will get there. Uh, Our four-year-old daughter will come in, look at the living room where he's sitting and watching WWE, and she'll be like, "Be like, what's he doing?" Be like, "Dada's watching guys fight," and then she'll go back to her thing. Yeah. Guys are fighting, Mama, and she'll go back. <laughs> <laughs> That's her understanding of WWE. I know okay. it, it, it may sound silly on this particular podcast, but I love to hear you say that you've learned so much from from I, I too uh, have stolen a ton of things from the WWE. They're just incredible storytellers, and and using sort of the, the basest, but also the most fundamental aspects of being a human being and kind of mashing it all together in this really grand performance. And it is a perform it's a dance. Um, and they get very upset if you suggest that it's fake because it's not fake. I know plenty of professional wrestlers whose bodies will tell you that it's not fake. It's choreographed. You know how it's going to end, but they are putting their bodies through that. And it's it's a really quite stunning thing. One of the things I love about them is they are, they are the 
they're the most tuned into their audience because it's like stand-up comedy or theater and yet they're always adapting live. I've learned so much from them kind of working with an audience and how to understand that. Second is well-defined characters and storytelling in very short periods of time and in a very constrained environment because you turn on the TV and it's often not just like a good guy, bad guy. There is nuance. And how do you tell that story physically, visually? They're just fantastic at that. But okay, Rob, we have a lot to get into in a very short period of time. A lot has happened since you last came on. But to kick us off, I'm going to play you a video and I want to get your reaction to that. Okay. All right, here we go. What did we just see and walk us through that moment? You saw the culmination of a multi-year endeavor to uh, get the Wrexham uh, Football Association up from League 5 into League 4. So we were, I was working with my partner, Ryan Reynolds, um, who's a lesser known movie star. Um, Uh, Wait, how how did you pronounce it, Ryan? Reynolds. Yeah, we, we, we'll Google him yeah, later. Yeah, sure. um, no, but we've been, we've been working on this club and trying to get the club promoted up out of the league that it's in. And it just happened. It just happened last week. And uh, you can see there's a moment. I blacked out during that. Um, I, I don't remember it happening. I remember the buildup and the anticipation to the final whistle. As people know, if they're, if, they're, if they're football fans, there is no, like in American, actually in a lot of sports, uh, there's a countdown to the final whistle. And in football, it just sort of ends when the referee decides it's going to end at the end. So you don't know until you hear that whistle that it's over. And the moment that I don't remember hearing the final whistle, I don't even remember uh, the end of the game. I just remember there being people on the pitch and then hugging Ryan. And it was only when I saw that video, which was shot by um, Paul Rudd, also a lesser known a lesser known actor. Yeah. I love that you had to think for like two seconds. You'd be like, shot by which which, which guy? Oh yeah, yeah. Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, nobody knows that guy either. He's like, he's yeah. just like, he's just like an ant. Okay, sorry, Batman. Among all everyone. It was only when he sent me that video uh, the next morning where I saw that moment of extreme catharsis that both Ryan and I have. We, it's not joy. We, we both slump down like and expel something from our bodies. Um, and then it turns into joy when, when I hugged him, but I think it felt like there was a weight that was lifted, not just off of us, but off of the entire organization. It's, it's the third oldest football team in the world and they've been struggling for a long time. So that was, that's been our goal. And that was, uh, I mean, truly one of the greatest moments of my life. And it just happened last week. I've watched the documentary, which by the way, I highly, highly recommend. And just one of the most beautifully, uh, done things. And, uh, let me ask you this, right? So. A, how did this all come about, right? Like, here you are, you, you already have two hit TV shows, uh, Always Sunny, and then last time you had on, we were talking about Mythic, Mythic Quest, Quest mm-hmm. uh, which, oh, by the way, amazing. We're going to talk about that uh, later yeah, that's, also. That's the show for our people. Like, oh, yeah. this is the show for the nerds. Yeah. So we love it. And, you know, and to be honest, if you told me what would Rob work on next, I would have been like, well, maybe another TV show or movie. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, we're going to go buy... Uh, football club uh, in Wales. So how did that 
come about? I love stories and I like innovation. I love innovation and I, I love sports and, um, and I love building things. And, and so for whatever reason, over the, over the pandemic, um, I just got really invested in, in football for the first time in my life, just watching old football games and old football documentaries. And I started to understand the, the English system, which is that you can get promoted or relegated out of the leagues. We just don't have anything like that in American sports. Um, we just don't have anything where if you lose so much, you get kicked, you get kicked out of the league. But I thought, wow, if, if I could find a club um, who has a rich history but has been struggling for a really long period of time, couldn't you theoretically take them from whatever lower league there was and get them up to the Premier League? And each person that I, t I ask that question to who works in the world of football or knows the world of football would laugh at me because they said it was like impossible and ridiculous. One person that didn't laugh was Ryan. And Ryan said, I think we could, I think we could do that. I thought, well, if the system is in place to do it, um, I know it would be difficult. I know it would be a rocky journey, but um, we both like building things. We both like looking at things from a different perspective. Could we, could we do that? And we knew that the number one most important thing would be to get people to understand why we were doing it and to fall in love, to fall in love with that town and the people of that town. And so we knew that we had to find something that we connected to. So when I see the people of Wrexham, as you see in the documentary, I, I grew up exactly like them. Um, and I think that that transcends culture. I think it transcends race. I think it transcends certainly skin color. If you look around the world, working class people are everywhere and we can all identify with each other. And I thought, wow, if I can tell the story of this small little town in North Wales, I think people in, on, all over the world will identify with them. And if you can identify with them, you can love them. And if you can love them, then you'll, you'll love what they love and they love football. If you ignore the, the sports and the culture and all of that and just looked at it as a business, then you're basically getting into the business as a turnaround situation where your job is to basically come in and fuel it, help it thrive, be successful, grow. It's tough. It's a very tough endeavor. Like most turnarounds don't work out. Um, the problem space, like it's just people, money is one part of it, but the time and the effort and the investment that you have to put into it is just extraordinarily difficult, right? So going into this, how did you think about this when you thought of it as like, all right, we have to go turn this around and, mm -hmm. you know, make this successful, and did you have any idea now that you're like coming out of this in the sense of like now that you're at this like one checkpoint of success, was were those kind of thinking true going in and coming out? Or is it now would you think of a turnaround differently? Um, uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I would say that the one, um, as, as we all have been fortunate enough to be successful in other endeavors, I think, and the older we get, and of course, with our children, we recognize that the one the one piece of capital that we can't do anything about uh, and is the most valuable to us is our time, our time on this planet and our time with the people uh, with whom we're spending it. And so I wanted to make sure that if I was going to do anything else, it was because I really loved it and really valued what we were doing, the people we were doing it with, um, and what imprint it would leave on the earth after I left. And so, and I kind of approach everything like that. And, and then if the answer is yes, this will bring me fulfillment as far as that goes, then then I just throw myself into it uh, wholeheartedly. So I I knew that it was going to be difficult, but as you know, if you find something that you a turnaround project that you love, that for as difficult as it is, as long as you have that north star, 
that you still believe in what you're doing and the end game, then it makes it that much easier. That said, we also don't know anything about football. So there's, there's something kind of liberating about that, that we could only set a culture, create a culture, um, and then hire people to do their job and then leave them alone and then just become, just become supporters of the club. So when we go to those games, it's, it's, it's wonderful in some ways where we don't have to do anything except watch and enjoy um, because we've already set the table and then everybody else takes agency over the experience and, and actually has to go out and, and perform. We might be able to bankroll things. We can bring exposure. We can tell the story. We can set up an infrastructure for success, but ultimately it's out of our hands, mm-hmm. which in some ways is, as you, uh, as you know, because you can't micromanage everything, all you can do is hire the right people and then hope that they all right. do the things that they said that they were going to do. There is something about that from my nature that is difficult because I'm a control freak uh, and I recognize that about myself and I like to be in the trenches um, but because of my bandwidth, I, I can't be in the trenches. And so, and ultimately I also don't have the acumen to be on a pitch <laughs> playing football. So all of this emotional and financial investment went into these young men and women uh, on the women's team, uh, who play this 90 minute game where they try to kick a ball, a plastic ball into a net. And you have the hopes and dreams of now millions of people r- resting and riding on that. It's, it, it becomes quite stressful. Uh, so much so that I got, I wound up with a sty in my eye, which anybody oh, wow. who's watching can see that, like, I wound up, yeah, I actually wound up with double styes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I went to the doctor and, and he was just like, it's just stress. And it's oh the God. stress of, of, I don't think it's the stress of the game. I think for me personally, it's the stress of giving up control and saying, okay, I have to trust now that I've done everything I can do. And now can you go and execute with this? And man, they did. So the sty is going away. I think. I think this is actually the sty, like the blood of the sty, going back down into my face. <laughs> we we just zoom in on that and use it as a thumbnail for this video. Yeah, right there, right there. Like, if, um, I, you know, for me, one of the things I loved. I was watching this last night. Was you and Ryan? This could have gone so wrong, right? It. This could have been two Hollywood guys, uh, known for comedy, trying to buy a team as a joke, right? Uh, your lack of knowledge of football uh, could have played off very, very differently. And this, you talk about this on the documentary, it blew me away that you and Ryan hadn't actually met in person and a bulk of it actually happens, you know, the, the, a lot of the original process happens purely during COVID, so over Zoom. And I was curious because we talk, have a lot of co-founders on the show and you and Ryan are essentially co-founders on a very ambitious, risky project. How did you build that chemistry and dynamic? I mean, you're a celebrity. He's kind of a lesser known star. He wasn't two guys ago in a pizza place, I think like 20 years ago or something. And you know, but how do you build that chemistry remotely? And I'm sure there's a lot of like stressful moments. Right? What is that relationship evolution? Kind of a romance in its own way. How has that been like? Yeah, I mean, that's been um, one of the greatest joys of the experience is, is becoming so much closer with him and finding a new friend who I consider as close as a brother. I speak with him every day now. Um, because of, because of so many different reasons. I mean, certainly the, the business of football, but then we have other business together, but then we just became really close friends and I love his family. He loves mine. We spend so much time together now, but it did start with us not really knowing each other that well. And I had a sense of who I believe he was. And I, I like to do my homework and reach out to people who, who he's worked with in the past and find out if what I believe 
to be true is true. And he did the same, um, which he, he disclosed to me later on. And we kind of kept, kept coming up with the same answers, um, which is that we're not really hiding anything. I mean, it, you kind of watch the documentary. In fact, I was just saying this to somebody else. My, the greatest compliment that I got from my wife, Caitlin, when we were, because she hadn't seen the, sh the show when I, when I was making it. And I wanted to be as honest as possible because it was a documentary and I wanted to be objective. So I put in some stuff that I wouldn't normally feel comfortable putting in that I feel like exposes me in ways that I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable with, but I wanted to be honest. And I think about halfway through the first season, she, and one of the episodes, she turned to me and she said, this is you, this is who you are. This is for warts and all. Um, I think I was like getting really frustrated at some, something in the show and I, and Ryan handled it really well with like class and dignity. And I didn't, and I got like really upset. And then later on, I was like, I'm beating myself up about it. And Caitlin was like, I'm so happy you put that in because you're not trying to hide something that that is who you are. You felt that in the moment and you're experiencing that. And for Ryan and I both who are naturally, we're used to being on camera, but again, in a controlled environment, not in an environment where cameras are constantly chasing us around. I had to look at that footage and it forced me to look inside myself and say, wow, this is not a script. This isn't something that somebody created for me. I'm, I'm reacting honestly in this moment and it needs to go in the show, even if it's uncomfortable for me, because it's honest. And I think people will be able to, to identify with that. Yeah. So Ryan, having Ryan as a partner through that helps, helps me because I'm learning so much from him in so many ways. He's learning so much from me. And we've just kind of like fallen in love with each other in a platonic way over the course of the season. And that was an, a really important thing for us too, because I feel very strongly specifically about men and male relationships. And I know like how difficult it is for a lot of men to express love for each other, especially publicly. I'm just not afraid to do that because maybe because of my dad or because of the way I was raised, Ryan the same. And I feel very proud that we were able to put that in the world. Nice. That's awesome. I, I love that. I love that. Um, I think, uh, okay, you're running a club now, which, you know, 20 years ago, I'm not sure if you ever thought you were going to be, be able to do like, you know, just, oh, this is a bucket list in my life that I need to check off kind of thing. Uh, so a football club, given that we have not spoken to anybody else yeah. who runs a football club. You're the first. You're the first. What would surprise us? What is the thing where you're like, oh, these people have no idea what the dynamics are of, yeah. of uh, owning, being a partner at this club? Wow. Well, considering you both have run and worked in many businesses, I, I'll, I'll stay out of that because anything about the business, you would probably, un any, anything about the business specifics that for someone who hasn't been on the, on the side of running a business, um, you might be surprised by, but I don't think you'd be surprised by the actual running of the business itself. I would say the depth and I don't know if this would surprise you or not, but the, the depth at which people feel and experience uh, the wins and losses on, on a weekly basis is, is so much more profound than even I had thought. And I, I consider myself a pretty big sports fanatic. And I don't know if your audience, because um, you, you said at the top that it's a tech audience and, and maybe they also identify as, as, as sports fans. Maybe they don't. Um, what I would say is that uh, a huge part of this football culture is not just about 
caring about whether the Lakers win or if Steph Curry had a great night or if Tiger shot a hole in one. Um, it's way more important to them. It's a, it's a part of their identity. It's how they view the world almost. Every Saturday, they're putting themselves out on that pitch because it goes back generations. They didn't move to San Francisco and then become a, a, a 49ers fan. They've been living in that town for generations. And they, their great, great, great grandfather may have played for that club. So you have to go in there with such dignity and respect for the past, but also because it is a turnaround situation and because you're coming in to invest and you're trying to amend or ameliorate the culture, not change it profoundly, but you, you definitely want them to win and they haven't been winning. So how do you go in there and say, I want to be respectful of, what, of where we are and where we've been, but to get to where we need to be, we need to change some things. And that's really difficult. And you, that I'm sure it doesn't surprise you, but the depth by which you have to navigate that can be surprising because it's very emotional. What, I mean, what would be, what's like an example? How do you do that? I'm, I'm really curious because like, again, with like tech or business, we kind of get it, right? Like, you know, be able to influence change. Don't tell people what to do, uh, things like that. But what's like an example where you're like, well, this is clearly not working. You have to do that, but you can't just say, do that thing, please, kind of thing. So what, what were, what's an example? We- Another great question. The way that we've approached it from the very beginning is we're going to listen more than we talk. So we would ask. So we would look at an area and say, we believe that this needs development um, or needs some investment or needs changing. What do you think? And we had either a representative of the Supporters Trust or we spoke directly with the Supporters Trust, which was a group of of supporters, uh, fans, basically, who helped save the club. And they speak on behalf of the entire town and it's people can vote or they can become a part of it. But it was great because it was a consortium of people who spoke on behalf of the town and the club itself. So we would, we would ask them, what, what is it that you think needs to be done? And the truth is that 75% of their answers were dead, right. And then we felt like there was 25% that we could bring in that they might disagree with. And we might say, okay, we hear you. We feel like this. And we felt like the more communication there was, the better people uh, were able to navigate change and difficult situations because they felt like they were a part of the process. So they felt like there was an ownership there and that we didn't just come in with our money and our American and Canadian attitudes and say, hey, guys, we got it. Just follow along. That was just never the way we did it. And it's kind of the way I I like to approach all all the businesses or all, all the cultures that I can at least have some say in the generation of. I like to I like to ask people what it is that they want to do. And then ultimately, if you're in a leadership position, you have to make hard decisions. Not everybody's going to like those decisions. You have to push through. But if you've given people the opportunity to give their feedback and then you push through, I think people feel valued, heard, and they're, and they're much more um, willing to be understandable through difficult times. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about Mythic Quest. The last time you came on the show was actually, I think, season two had just come out. We're now at the end of uh, season three. What do you think you now know about the gaming community and the show that you didn't know when, you know, we were talking at the end of season one or season two? And maybe a second part of that is you might be the only show where one of the things I find fascinating about Mythic Quest is one of the most popular episodes always tends to be the, the bottle episodes, the one which actually doesn't have the main cast. 
but has the language and the construction to bring, you know, and certainly it's always beloved. So talk to us, what do you now know that's kind of surprised you about where the show and the characters of Poppy and I and everyone has gone? And what do you think makes it all work? Well, I, I will say that we approached Mythic Quest, this was before Wrexham, but, it, but I used a lot of the same principles to approach Wrexham, which is I wanted to make sure that if we were going to make a show about the gaming community, which is massive, and generally used to being marginalized and put into a very specific comedic box, generally derision. If we were going to do that, that we had to be respectful of the community and ask around and see. And And I took a flyer and a guess that people were sick, of course, of being made fun of, but most importantly, sick of being marginalized and thought of as something so small when the gaming community is so massive. So why can't we just make a workplace comedy that just happens to take place in the gaming community and then treat the games themselves and the culture with as much reverence as, and respect as we would, say, the culture of football? People care desperately and deeply about these games for a reason. It's not sad. It's not that joke about living in your mom's basement. It's about connection. It's about feeling agency, about feeling power, about feeling important, like you matter. Those are beautiful things. And those are things that, if you're telling a story, are rife with emotion, rife with conflict, and rife with, ultimately, comedy. And as long as you're coming at it through that prism, then you're never going to make fun of somebody. You might make fun of yourself, which I tend to do in all my shows, but, but never the community itself. One last thing. Okay. You're interesting because you span both the worlds of Hollywood, you and this other upcoming actor, Ryan, for example. Um, but you're also a founder in the world of crypto and tech and Silicon Valley. Um, if What do you think your peers in the Hollywood world can learn from the folks in tech and maybe vice versa? Your world has always been uh, fascinating to me. And there's always so much cro crossover with our world and your world. Um, and I've always had a, a few ideas uh, here or there, but um, but it was when I met Chris uh, Dixon, and when I met him and I was talking to him, and he knew Mythic Quest, but he had never heard of Sunny, or well, he'd heard <laughs> of it, but he'd never he'd never seen an episode, and he was the first person. Now, subsequently, I've actually met a number of people in the world of tech who watch Mythic Quest but have never seen an episode of Sunny, and I love it. But Chris was the very very first one. <laughs> and I remember having a very long conversation with him. And then somebody else was like, hey, you know, that guy works at Andreessen Horowitz. And I was like, I've heard of that. I don't really even know what that is. I, those guys, that's like tech venture. I don't really know what that world is. And then I just dove headfirst into it. And just like anything else, what's infectious about Chris, what, about, about both of you, about everybody that works that I've met at that company, and then the expanding community is you're intensely curious uh, intensely creative, driven, and supportive. And so that's what I found. And I'm not here to do a commercial for H16Z, but I, that has been my experience with, with, with you guys and specifically with Chris and, and, and Mark. And just having that kind of community is, is like at its best when Hollywood is working at its best, they're seeking out and finding those communities to make things. So Sunny is just a, a community just like that. We do a completely different business but at the end of the day, it's still spending time with people being creative and curious and trying to solve a problem. The whiteboard of a, of a television show of like what's going to happen next is the same as a whiteboard in a crypto company who's trying to figure out how to monetize something or how to, bu how to build community. It's the same problem-solving set of skills. We're just not that different.
in that way. And I feel like if we can both remind ourselves as we continue to evolve together that both both areas have real value in the next evolution of of human interaction with story, uh, with tech, um, and 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 how we navigate the world is kind of constantly changing. And at the end of the day, without without the tech and without the innovation and without the story behind that innovation, explaining to why explaining to humanity why this should be important to them, then I think um, we're at, at an extreme disadvantage. Dear God, he's good at this stuff. I know. Man. Yeah, I mean, how do you prep yeah. for this oh, stuff? Gosh, how are you stuff, so good at that it? That's so good. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> I didn't prep at all. I honestly, I stood in front of a mirror and was like, "Should I ask Caitlin to put makeup on my eye?" And I was like, "You know what? Fuck it. I don't care." That's how I prepped. You were like, "Why do I have to wear makeup? Have you seen the other side oh, of this gosh, thing? Yes. Like these two people, we'll, they we'll, just show we'll, up. We'll, we'll fix it. In, we'll fix it in post. Okay. <laughs> Last ten seconds. Uh, if Garrett Bale was watching this episode right now, and maybe you can find a way to get it over to him, what message would you have for him? Gareth, okay, man, listen. Just, just you and me talking here for a second. I know Southern California is beautiful. I, and I, I know because I'm from Philadelphia. I've lived here for many, many years. But you're a young man and you have the rest of your life to live wherever you want. But if you could just come back for one last year of glory, one last year, I believe your nation, the nation of Wales, counting on you to do the right thing. Call me. Love it. Love it. I just want to say, Rob, I think a lot of people know you, you know, on camera and everything else you do. I've gotten to know you a little bit in person and you're just an amazing, wonderful, kind human being. So, uh, and look, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is so much fun because oh, yeah. very rarely we get to talk about so many different topics, like kinds of areas, completely different from each other, but one person. It's oh, yeah. just, you know, it just doesn't happen that often. Yeah, so and I'm going to text you about pro wrestling later too. But no, you're such a such a warm, amazing human being. I feel the same way about you. I was at a at an event. I mean, it was maybe like six months ago or something. And Caitlin came with me, and she didn't really know. She does. She had met Chris Dixon, but she hadn't met a lot of the guys um, or a lot of the people that were at the party. And and at one point we left, and I was talking about you, Ram, and she said, wait, 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 is that the guy you were talking about before? And I said, yes. She said, the man I just met at the party. And I said, yes. And she said, I thought you said he was some big tech venture capitalist guy. And I was like, yes. And I believe he's also worked in, in that field for a long time. She's like, wait, no, not that guy. And I said, yes. And she said, he's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And she goes, I didn't, we didn't even talk about business or anything like that. He was just so gentle and kind and sweet. And he asked a million questions and I d did the same. There's no way. And I was like, yes, that guy works at <laughs> Andreessen Har A16Z. And she said, wow, I just didn't picture that in my head. And I feel like that's an important story. Uh, and one that I, I think about a lot that we have this vision of, and I'm sure you guys have the same thing about people in Hollywood. And some of that's true. And some tech people are real and some venture capital people are not people we want to spend time with. But the vast majority of the community, the vast majority of, of our community are really great people, really sweet, gentle people who want to be successful and we want to build things together. So um, I just wanted to share that story with you because I think anybody who's watching or listening to this show already knows that about you. But Caitlin, um, Caitlin really had like a profound experience. Oh my 
Wow, I, I, I don't know what to say. That's well, it. That's uh, it. This is how the, I'm I, never going to stop hearing about it this weekend. Yeah, I, 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 well, thank you. Thank you. That was, <laughs> I, I, I remember that encounter and that was amazing. That is so kind of her. Uh, thank you. That means a lot. Oh, wow. That Are is, you sure she didn't say that really loud, obnoxious, tall guy? Like he's so <laughs> fucking tall. How was he able well, to do that? Well, that, that's, why, that's why she was like, wait, no, because he's hard to miss. I mean, <laughs> I think at that event, if, I, if I'm, it was like only like, Three people over six four, Jerome, mm-hmm. Dixon, and Tom Brady. So everybody, like, it wasn't hard to pick out the t- the tall guys. Yeah, oh it wasn't God. hard to pick out the tall no, guys. The tall idiot guy. Well, oh my God, that is genuinely. Thank you. Uh, I know awesome. uh, that was. Thank you so so much. And it goes both ways. Uh, Rob, your true friend. Thank you so so much for doing this. We will put all the links for all of this and your upcoming, uh, you know, your up and coming, you know partner and friend ryan to uh what's his name but no truly this is such a delight thank you so so much for doing this with us thanks thank, thank you. you it's a pleasure anytime and i hope to see you again soon yeah and i'm going to text you about pro wrestling and give you some ideas thanks Rob. yes please okay <laughs> bye <laughs>